It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'll be speaking with Colin Watt. This is Axom on a match day. We've just watched a hard-fought victory against St Johnston away from home. Colin, second half, uh, an improvement for you? <laughs> I suppose um, it's something we highlighted at half-time um, when we spoke about the St Mirren game through the week. We've got that ability to. Um, turn around the game um, and do it in such a short period of time when we use our momentum. Um, we scored three and three minutes against St Mirren today, two and two minutes against um, St Johnston. It just shows you what we can do um, when we play to our potential. But it's annoying that it took the goal from St Johnston before it actually woke us up. Mm. Um, but yeah, overall, three points. Um, uh, I'm sure there'll be a few Valentine's Day poems coming in that go something like roses are red, violets are blue, just when you need it. St Johnston won Celtic too. That's, I'm expecting to see it in the comments coming up soon. Did you come up with that over the last on 45 the spot, minutes? On the spot, Paul. Right, because it's pretty poor, mate. Hopefully somebody can come up with something better. <laughs> Hopefully some someone can come up with something better. Any budding poets? Didn't even mention it was Valentine's Day today. Obviously, we're covering the game um, during uh, that particular day of uh, love and all that romance and everything else, Colin. But Celtic are playing, so that needs to take priority. Um, now, 
Darren Foy uh, Great we won But very little life in this team Think team selection and subs are drawn out A hat Why don't they see a new manager will benefit uh, If time to prepare for next season First of all Darren thank you for your comment You're commenting on YouTube If you are watching A Celtic State of Mind on YouTube Continue to um, subscribe and uh, click on the notification bell as well because we are building our subscribers up. We've gone very quickly from virtually none up to just under 10,000. So we are going to be pushing that bar uh, all throughout this season and beyond Colin Watt. Now, in relation to uh, the life in the team, something that was brought up during the season, I hadn't heard it. Uh, and obviously it was a play on words on Moneyball which the famous mm-hmm. movie and that features Brad Pitt everybody that seems sees that film swears by it uh, Kevin Graham was speaking about Moneyball and um, the question was what on earth is it? And I asked Kevin to try and explain what his definition definition of uh, Lenny Ball would be and it was something quite chaotic something that relies on players to get you out of holes something that relies on uh, individual brilliance is that what we are seeing at the moment? Because obviously we watched the first half, Colin. First half was uninspiring. Uh, we had no width. We weren't stretching their back line. You weren't quite sure where we were going to create an opening. Second half, as you said, it might have sparked us into action when St. Johnson took the lead. But it was individual brilliance. You've got to say, you've got to give credit also to Ryan Christie and Greg Taylor. But Eduard was superb uh, in pulling us right back into that game. Is that uh, the management style of Neil Lennon? It's all about the players? It's all about individual brilliance? I, I don't know if it's anything to do with the management style, but what I would say is if it wasn't for that individual brilliance, where would we be this season? Um, it wasn't a great game of football to watch. Let's be brutally honest. It was, as you said, a half-time target. Um, I said it was going to be a difficult game and I think that's the way it has been I mean it's now four wins in a row but none of those games have been entertaining games of football to watch you take a look at someone like Odson Edward he's now scored 11 goals in 11 games and scoring in 9 of them 11 games without that where would you be this season you've not got anyone else that's standing up to be as good as what Edward is now it's going to be a massive loss when he does eventually um, move on but there is it's, it's bits of brilliance from certain players that open up defences. And you do need that as part of the team. Um, and it will uh, definitely um, help when you're, you're playing teams that put 10 behind the ball. But you don't really see that now because teams aren't scared of playing Celtic. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring this uh, point in from Tyrone again on the YouTube channel uh, because, quite frankly, I completely disagree with it. Another great win and battle from Celtic. But it will be another 30 minutes of negativity. Most points and goals in the second half of games, 12 goals, only two against. Let's hear the negatives. Uh, That wasn't a great win for Celtic. It was a win. It was a win. There was nothing great about it. And the negativity aspect of it, I mean, anyone who says that that, um, you're deliberately uh, running a a negative narrative, Colin, in this season of all seasons is kind of missing the point of what's gone wrong this season. Um, Where's the positives? Well, we opened it up with a positive individual brilliance uh, of Eduard, who, by the way, Colin, I heard during the commentary them saying it was his 20th goal of the season the second one I've only got 19 here someone please correct me if I'm wrong but 19 or 20 goals in what has been described as uh, a less than vintage season for Edward I mean if he continues in this vein of scoring form you know he might even be touching 30 which is bizarre and absurd considering everything that's happened this season isn't it? His goal return for Celtic is phenomenal I think that's about 80 goals now he's got over his time at the club um, I think you're right. I think it's only 19. I don't think it's 20. Um, but even at that, that makes him the league's top goal scorer this season. Uh, and you wouldn't think it when you, you've been watching Celtic over the last couple of weeks. But as I say, where would you be without the goals of Odson Edward? There's no one really behind him that's putting the ball in the back of the net. If he doesn't score, where are the goals coming from? Um, today, would we have won that game without Odson Edward on the team? I really don't think so. The brilliance for that second goal, um, just to continue the positivity here, the ball played through, it's great play from Ryan Christie um, and make sure someone clips that for the next time I have a go at him. Great play for Ryan Christie, letting the ball go through his legs and a great crossover from Greg Taylor um, and Odson Edwards' feet 
it's something that's been a key part of his, his play here at Celtic is how quick his feet are. But mm. just to get that half yard to put the ball past um, Xander Clark and the goal was outstanding. Um, and then Christie, first time cross. Something Eddie hasn't done a lot this season is get in front of his man. He managed to do that really well to get the ball in for the first goal. So his movement um, was very good. But again, two goals in two minutes. From Apart from those two minutes, was there anything really inspiring about Celtic's play today? Not really. Um, I thought when Glenn Middleton came on for St Johnston, he was causing the defence a bit of trouble. Um, and every time that ball comes into the box, you're just scared of what's going to happen next. I'm just glad that we managed to hold on for the three points. Yeah, I mean, I did obviously look for the positives there uh, Colin I like the character shown whenever you go behind to be able to claw that back and you know there's been times this season where I didn't have that belief that we were going to do that um, you know and you're thinking maybe a draw is the best we can get it was great to see the fact that uh, we were able to to pull this back every Celtic win's brilliant for me but that wasn't a great display uh, and to try and paint it up any other way would be just folly I mean Eduard let's uh, keep a, a wee focus on, on Eddie I find it you know, it is interesting you're, you're saying there if we didn't have him, but the other player that I have in mind when we're talking in that kind of vein is James Forrest because we haven't had mm-hmm. him. And if you were to look at, you know, his the goals that he's in, involved in, so goals scored and assists over the last five seasons, and you remove that virtually for the whole season, you're going to suffer, aren't you? You're going to miss that, especially if you're not bringing in someone who has that kind of same level. And I don't think we have had anyone um, of that kind of level. I mean, who was playing in the position or the area of the park uh, for large parts of this season that um, you know James Forrest would have been in? Did they produce the amount of assists and, and goals that uh, Forrest normally does? So yeah, I think we've missed him massively. When he plays, he gets stick. He gets stick from Celtic fans. It always seems to be the way a certain section of Celtic uh, fans anyway. Uh, he's been a massive loss, a massive miss, as has a central defensive partnership consistently throughout the season, Colin, because I also think that that has contributed to the the fact that we've been playing three goalkeepers at various parts of the season. We've not had that blend at the back, you know, um, and once you've got that, everything else can flow from there. I just think today, um, even if you want to go to the St Mirren game uh, during the week, you know, four, mo- uh, four minutes of brilliance that gave us three goals, mm-hmm. we, yeah. have, we have the offensive ability to do that. You know, we have the, the talent um, in the, the final third of the park to, to craft chances and open them up the big problem this season's been we just can't trust that the, the back gate's been locked No that's building up from the back um, should be the key of any team you take a look at teams that do really well um, they've always got a solid back line you never see teams that go on and win the league um, winning games like 5-4 and 6-5 all season you do have to have a solid defence behind you. You take a look at one of the reasons that Rangers are doing really well this season is they've conceded very few goals. I think they've maybe only conceded six or seven goals in the league all, all season, which is a phenomenal return. Um, and if you keep the ball out your own goal, it makes it easier for you to pick up the points. So far this season, I think there's been maybe, I don't know, you say that three goalkeepers, I don't know how many defenders we've played, and we never seem to have a solid back four. Mm-hmm. whether that be through through injury, through suspension. Um, but we've never been able to get a partnership going. I think if you look at it, I'm looking forward to seeing Welsh probably coming back in. I would probably drop Duffy out again. I don't think Duffy um, is any better than Stephen Welsh. I think Stephen Welsh is a, a more cultured defender um, and he's certainly not done anything so far to suggest that that jersey shouldn't be his. Um, and Chris Iyer alongside him has been um, a good kind of leader alongside them to kind of guide them through the games. John Joe Kenny coming in offers a bit of stability at the back um, and Greg Taylor's certainly upped his game this season. Obviously knows that if he puts a poor performance in Diego like Salt's there to take his jersey off him as well. So competition is healthy too. Uh, but we, we really went into this season not well stocked in the defence. We, we needed four centre-halves, we never had it. Um, we needed support at right back we really went in with Frimpong um, and El Hamid who we knew from early on in this season was looking to make his move away from the club at left back as well it took us till near the end of the window to bring in Black Soul it's, uh, it's things like that you're not properly planning um, when you go into a season so short at the back 
I love it when people say that he's a, he's a cultured um, player or a culture. He's got a cultured left foot. And I often wonder why has no one ever got a cultured right foot, Colin? You know, I mean, you can be talented on your right foot as well. But I get what you mean there. But I also go back to when we brought uh, Shane Duffy in. And I'm, I'm not going to just use this platform to batter Shane Duffy. I said my piece at half time. I don't think he's fit enough um, at this stage of the season. I still don't think Griffiths is fit enough when you've seen him coming on at this season, uh, stage of the season. And that isn't acceptable for any professional football club. But when you invest so much emotion and time and effort into Celtic Football Club, you would expect the, the absolute minimum is that the players are fit. Not match fit, Colin, because I know that's completely different, but just, you know, the condition uh, is something that is quite clear when you're, when you're watching Duffy. He does spend a lot of time on the deck as well. Um, and I also think that when it comes to balls in the box, he's... he's um, header win rate is, is very high and I get that but you know he climbs all over players and all it takes all it takes is for one of them to, to go down and then it's a penalty so that yep. that concerns me slightly as well but I'm not here just to to have a go at Duffy but one thing I will say is when he came in um, a lot of Celtic fans were saying you know that uh, we need a, a no-nonsense type centre half uh, we've got Ayer and, and Julien who you know Ayer likes the ball at his feet Julien likes spraying it about the park and people were asking for the no-nonsense centre half we did get it but his performances have been you know they've just simply not been good enough so in, in relation to that obviously the defence is a massive area at the moment that any um, uh, incoming manager needs to sort out but we're going to be losing so many players supposedly you know forward uh, players that we're going to have to start looking at rebuilding that area of the, the field as well that area of the team mm-hmm. Colin and you're, you're quite right in what you say we're now at the stage where we really depend on Edward when Edward ticks Celtic tick he's a game changer he can he can create something out of nothing you look at the feet you know, that, that he's able to, to... Sometimes you see it as greediness, but he goes into, like, blind alleys and there's three or four players. When he gets through them, it, it's a joy to watch. Often he doesn't get through them, and that's the problem. Some of that's down to greediness and, and selfish play, I think. Others is down to the fact that often he's playing up up top on his own, which isn't ideal. I don't think that suits any of our strikers, actually. I don't no. think I've seen a performance from Eddie, Ayeti, Griffiths or Klamala where I reckon... He, he can deal with that up top on his own he can bring the ball down hold it up uh, because we just simply don't have the additional width when we play with one up top um, I, I find the tinkering with today's kind of shape was frustrating for me you know playing Christie almost like a second striker when we've tried that time and time again Colin and I don't think it's ever worked Uh, moving into the the midweek obviously we've got four games in a row Edward is back to some kind of you know um, level that we would expect from him as I say he might end up this season with 25 to 30 goals which is astonishing because by his standards he's had a poor season Um, do you think there'll be uh, other changes for Wednesday night against Aberdeen I'm not really sure Aberdeen are on a bit of a poor run of form as well um, I think Derek McInnes's jobs um, just for any of the, the Luxembourg listeners watching it's on a bit of a sugly peg that uh, that job um, anyone that doesn't get that needs to go back and watch Wednesday's bulletin uh, but yeah they came out earlier on this week and basically said that they were supporting Derek but he really had to turn things around had to qualify for Europe set out the goals um, for the rest of the season and they've not really done it so far but you just know that they'll definitely up their game when they come out to play Celtic they always do it whenever they're up against Celtic or Rangers you never really see performances these days by Aberdeen um, where one of the two of them turn up and actually like, turn them over so <sighs> what would I do for Wednesday night I would go back to two up top um, for a start whether that be a Yeti, um, whether that be Griffiths that plays alongside him. He needs a partner up there, especially at home. I'm not a fan of uh, playing one up front when you're at home. I think Aberdeen, you can have a go at them, you can get at them. We need to try and get some some width in there as well. The two goals come from being out wide. Um, And you've really got to dominate the midfield. They've got a really solid midfield there as well. So Turnbull... Um, I'd expect him to start Brown's probably not going to be dropped now because he seems to have done okay since he came back in I would like to see Soro given the chance considering we're starting to build for the future like we spoke about earlier on uh, the one player that could probably drop out is Ryan Christie um, had a, a good second half 
but I, I don't think he offers enough of that. Um, and you're looking for what's going to be another tight game at home. Um, he would be the one to drop out for the striker to come in. Roger could pro- potentially drop out as well, I think. Well, Colin, surprise, surprise, you want to drop uh, Ryan Christie. But <laughs> what I would say, what I would say if I was going to um, kind of play devil's advocate, he did play a part in both goals today. That's what he okay. has in his oh, yeah. locker. Yep. Um, and, you know, I would be far more inclined to uh, remove Tommy Rogic from the starting lineup. Now, the thing is, I was watching today's game, uh, the game midweek. I think I've seen Rogic doing more running in those two games than ever before. He does, he, he does seem up for this. He does seem up yeah, for getting the jersey, yeah. you know. Uh, but I still don't think that, in terms of his involvement throughout a ninety minutes of a football game, that he does enough. Well, the stuff they does sometimes is absolutely ma- magical. He's a wizard on the ball. Um, yep. But you know, we really are in a situation where, in terms of this professional pride that, that uh, Neil Lennon talks about. We we need to win every game. We need to win every game between now and the end of the season. And I'm not saying that because I think that you know we're going to win the league if we win every game. But you need to uh, finish the season off on a as much a high as possible. You cannot go into the pre-season 20-odd points off the pace. Now, uh, we spoke previously, Colin, about the time that Martin O'Neill came in and took over at Celtic. Obviously, he was taken over from a, a dreadful time at the club um, under the John Barnstroke Kenny Dalglish dream team, as they were called by the Celtic View at the time. Um, he comes in and, you know, we had lost the league by 21 points. Uh, and it's a massive, massive job for any manager to come in um, and turn that around. We don't want that to be the deficit, obviously. But the big frustration for me, we're talking about momentum, is you take January out of the equation and uh, everything that was caused and created uh, by the, the trip to Dubai, Colin. And, you know, this isn't such a foregone conclusion. You look at the two Livy games, you look at the Hibs game. Obviously, we lost uh, against St. Min at the end of January. But January is the pivotal month because... What are we now, 18 points behind with a game in hand, two games against Rangers? You know, we could potentially, uh, you know, if we win every game, which is certainly not a given with the Celtic side, we could cut it down to nine points. And that's when you start getting really frustrated at January. That's when you look at some of these games where you, you would expect to beat Livingston at home ordinarily. You would expect to beat Hibs at home. But we've gone out there with a, a very weak side due to, uh, obviously, people having to, um, you know, shield and everything else because of COVID. So, you know, that that's going to be the pivotal month for us. But overall, all season, it's been really, really poor. Um, however, you know, even going from now to the end of the season, winning every game, I think is beyond Celtic. I think it's beyond the Celtic side. But I'm hoping, I mean, coming up against Aberdeen, I take what you what you mean there with regards to McInnes. They're not doing particularly well at the moment. Again, though, I would I would be expecting Celtic to win that game at home. I mean, we've got them again uh, after uh, Ross County on Sunday night, um, two two midweeks in a row, is it? Um, so I, I would expect us to to take uh, the three points on Wednesday night. And you know, if I'm looking for any kind of changes, um, I would be bringing a Yeti back in, Colin. I would I wouldn't. I mean, I've heard about fatigue. At his age, you know, it's not as though he's he's coming in as a 17 or 18 year old and his body's still developing and he's had a few games and he's got fatigue. Uh, he's an international football player. He should be able to, he should be able to. And again, I, I don't get that argument when you look at the reasons for Scott Brown playing. If Scott Brown, uh, who's touching 36, isn't fatigued after three games of football in a week, how could a Yeti be fatigued? He's barely played this season. So that, for me, will be a very interesting one as well. Four in a row, Colin, and taking as many positives as, as we possibly can. But there are some messages coming in in relation to the fact that uh, David Turnbull keeps getting taken off before the 90 minutes is up. Is that uh, Neil Lennon looking at uh, the fact that he's he, he really is coming back from not only the terrible injury that uh, he so bravely fought back from, but he's had COVID this season as well. He's maybe been managed in. Or would you expect him to be getting 90 minutes under his belt I think there is certainly um, part of that which is protecting him um, and you can understand that to an extent but you can see the disappointment in Turnbull's face every time he comes off he wants to play the 90 minutes he wants to be the man on the park at the end of the game um, and sometimes he'll, he'll not have a great game and at that point you're like right okay it's acceptable for him to come off but at times when he's the best player on the park um, and the game's not exactly wrapped up yet. 
to see him coming off the park is, is quite disappointing because there's nobody that really can come on um, to do as good a job as what he's been doing so far this season. Um, I mean, what, what's the options to come on? Today, uh, we brought on Griffiths and Elanusi. Yeah. None of them play the same sort of role that David Turnbull plays. No. Um, there's no one else in that Celtic team that could really do that. Maybe Rogic at his peak, um, but even Rogic at his peak didn't have the running that Turnbull does. Turnbull does really well in taking um, the ball from defence and linking it up to the attack. He he is a kind of a, epitome of what the midfield should be. It should be to drive the ball forward. Um, you see him coming deep, picking it up, linking the play, moving forward. Um, and there's not enough of that happens in the Celtic team. There's just a, on the other point that you made about January um, and January being the month where you could see that the season was done. I think it was done long before that. When you take a look at the run of games after um, the, the game against Rangers in October, going up to Aberdeen, putting in a great performance and then conceding so late in the game, um, the, the performance at Hibs where you've got to battle back for the two each draw, drawing with St Johnston at home when there's every chance we could have been beaten that game. It was only after then when we changed the formation up, when we started. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. To play well. Um, and even by the time you got to the game at New Year against Rangers, that was really the point where it was going to take an absolute miracle for us to get back into it. What happened in January when we went to Dubai and the player that caught COVID and obviously others had to um, follow the health guidelines and not play, that was unavoidable. But a lot of the points that we've dropped this season aren't down to that Dubai trip. That's no. St Mirren defeat. That's St Mirren defeat is the epitome of the way Celtic had played at different points throughout this season. And when you look back on the season overall, it, Dubai will be a telling factor as to why they don't win the league. But for me, it wouldn't be the kind of main reason behind it. No, don't get me wrong. That's not the point I made. Um, I think Celtic in October 3-3 at Pataudry was was the point. Uh, what I'm saying about January is the avoid the avoidable nature of dropping points because you're playing a team that has no first-team experience in about four or five of the players. And then after that... Uh, players who have had to obviously have a completely different training regime then getting thrown back into the first team these are avoidable results these are um, if you take the Hibs and the two games against Livingston um, all that ended up in draws there's six points dropped and there's six points for me if uh, you know the best Celtic side were out and they were all fit you're going to win those games and there's they're six points that at the moment the, the league might have still been salvageable, but January just tore it up and threw it out the window. But prior to then, and I've said this and said it uh, time and time again, and I'll stick by it, it was October, it was half-time against Aberdeen, where I realised the game's a bogey, Colin. Now, um, we've got four low knees on the books at the moment. And, uh, John Joe Kenny, Diego Laxalt, Shane Duffy and El Yunusi. I don't expect, uh, you know, I don't know if any of them will still be here um, on an extended loan next season. If you could keep one of them, Colin, who would it be? Hmm. What's it, just the one out of four? If you could keep one out of those four, which, which player would you retain on a loan deal for next season? Wait, is this with Lennon still in charge or with a new management team? No, no, with Lennon in charge. <laughs> Right, okay, so if you're bringing in a new, I, I can't, I can't think of the future with Neil Lennon in charge of Celtic, no, Colin. So I, I can't either, but I just, I can't see the the what happens between now and then, or 
it just the more he keeps going on with these press conferences, he's planning for next season. And I, I can't get my head around that, but if we take it that it won't be Lennon in charge next season, the player I would keep would be Elinousi. Um I think there's a fantastic player in there. You look at the goals that he's created this season um, and how important he's been in certain games. You just need to get more of a consistency out of him. And I think under a, a new coaching team, um, you'd be able to do that. Well, when you look at El Yunusi though, Colin, don't, don't you think that um, having had him for such a period of time, you know, I do get the sense that there's a player in there. I do get the sense that, you know, if he could get that consistency, he would really make his mark in the Celtic side. But having played for two seasons, I would have expected to have seen that far more often than we have done. And if we were to keep him for a third season, it might just be same old, same old, one decent performance in three El Yunusi, because I think that's what we get from him. You know, if I was looking at those four, I thought Laxalt came in and he looked really good. He looked a really good addition to the squad, didn't he? Even though Celtic, particularly, uh, their form wasn't particularly good when he came in. I mean, I think in his first half a dozen games, did we win one of them? Um, so Laxalt did look good, but he's obviously completely faded and um, now doesn't uh, get utilised even as a substitute coming on. So I wouldn't uh, be paying the vast wages that he's on coming in from AC Milan. Uh, Duffy is a, a, an absolute no-no. You know, that's a no-brainer. Yep. I wouldn't keep him on. Um, El Yunusi, I like El Yunusi. I've always, I've always liked him. Um, I think it was unfortunate that he was played, remember, in the League Cup final when he was quite clearly unfit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and he suffered really badly from that, uh, playing unfit and then obviously taking a while to get fit afterwards as well, Colin. So I do like him. Don't get me wrong, but I just think after two seasons, he should be flying. He should be um, a first pick every single week, and he just isn't. And it goes through, you know, spells of being that player that's a first pick. And, you know, um, I think that after the time where he, he went off in the European game and he was on his phone and Neil Lennon was asked about it, he had a go at him, it comes back and has a brilliant performance against Motherwell. So he's got that in him. But I don't think we've seen it enough over the last... And I think of the four, although I don't think he's given a an absolutely glittering performance yet, I think John Joe Kenny. And that's as much down to the fact that we are really struggling when you think about right backs now, aren't we? You look at Ayer. Will Ayer be here next season, Colin? You know, he's one of the players where there's interest, as we know, from AC Milan. Um, he's one of the players for me that, you know, is you, you've got to avoid selling him, but I, I fully expect Celtic to, to sell him. And if you do, then you've got someone who can also fill in at right back who's gone. So your options at right back, that being the case, you know, as we sit here, would be Anthony Ralston only. So I reckon yeah. John, I reckon John Joe Kenny would be good, you know, because we're only going to see from um, January through to the end of the season. It'd be good to see an extended run of games with John Joe Kenny, uh, and of course with another manager in charge. I would say so, but I think if you're going to do that, there has to be um, something in there which, like, a potential option to buy with John Joe Kenny. If you're going to do that, I don't want to look at the the team next season and look at the back line, uh, the back four, and the goalkeeper and see maybe two or three of them in as loan deals. Because that only means that the following summer we're going to have to do it all over again. And as we said earlier on in the podcast, you have to have a settled back five, the four and the goalkeeper. And it has to be players that you can rely upon, um, and it has to be something that you can build going through the next couple of years, um, so that if one moves, you're only replacing one. At the minute, we could potentially be replacing three of the four that started today. Um, which means you're building that all over again. What confidence does that give to your goalkeeper behind him, who, by the way, we might be replacing him as well? So I, I agree with you. I'd like to see more of Kenny, um, but I would need to see something in the loan deal that suggests that we've got the option to buy him at the end of the next one. I think with Elanusi, if you bring him back in, what you're doing is you're bringing in an experienced player um, and we've got an option there on the left-hand side, um, Mikey Johnson. Um and you're still looking to develop Mikey Johnson. And it goes back to the mentoring thing that we spoke about um, before the game. If Moy can bring out the best in Mikey Johnson, you've got a player there that can be a first-team regular after he leaves. Mm. There's nobody really there at Celtic that Kenny could develop into the next right-back that we've got. Because, let's be honest, Anthony Ralston most likely isn't going to be there next season. No, I, how disappointed have you been, Colin, in the lack of game time that Mikey Johnson's had? since he's come back to, to fitness? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were talking about, or we're looking forward to seeing the width when he comes back in, but we haven't really played any sort of width at all. Your width's coming from your right back and your left back. Um, you look at the formation we played probably right up until January last year, and it was a 4-2-3-1, and you had the three behind Eddie up front, one out in the left, one out in the right. That's where um, Forrest and Johnston would be kind of pivotal to that um, in the interplay with whoever's playing up front. Because we're not playing that formation, your width's really coming from, like Ryan Christie was out on the left-hand side putting the ball over for the first goal, um, there was times where I seen Rogic out on the right hand side. In fact, there was a goal that Rogic scored the other day, where basically came in from the wing to put it in the back of the net. Those are centre midfielders. They're not really proper um, right and left midfielders. So there isn't a lot of width in the team at the minute, and there won't be whilst you play the diamond formation. But if you were to change it to go back to a sort of either a four four two or a four two three one, then guys like Moy, guys like Johnston, they'll get the chance to show what they can do um, in that position. There's a, a few comments coming in in relation to revisionism in relation to Duffy. All I can say in relation to uh, using the word relation three times in quick succession is that Duffy, when he came in, you, you call it as you see it, Colin. And, you know, to try and find out a wee bit more, um, I contacted Spencer Vignes. Spencer is a Brighton and Hove Albion author who's been on the podcast previously talking about all those people who have had a connection with both clubs um, during the first lockdown and um, we spoke about the type of player that Shane Duffy was so you call it as you see it did we need a centre half at that time 100% the way that this season's gone shows you just how much we needed a centre half at that point Colin we've had to obviously play games with young Welsh in there we've had to play games with Beaton playing again I'm going to say it out of position because he's a natural midfield player and know that he's played a lot of games at centre half but you know so when he comes in I don't think I ever called him a great signing uh, but I await you clipping that video and, and putting it on my Twitter because that's what happens it's all out there for everybody to, to uh, look back on I don't think I ever said he was a great signing he certainly was a signing that we needed at the time but you can only call it as you see it and the performances simply haven't been good enough Colin so that's yeah. not revisionism that's not revisionism you're calling it you know, in real time. So if his performances aren't good enough just now, at no point have I said I told you he was a rubbish player. That's revisionism because I never ever said that. No, um, I thought at, at the time he was the he was the type of player we needed. When you look at it on paper, he is the kind of signing you want to see at the heart of the Celtic defence. But obviously, football's not played on paper, and when you see the football he's been playing this season, it has not been to the standard of someone that has got so many caps for the Republic of Ireland who has been their captain who's played in the Premier League um, and who's played a lot of games down south it, it's not been that kind of version of the player we've got but you see it a lot in Scottish football you see players that do well or do relatively well down south and then make the move up to Scottish football and they just can't cut it I mean you look at guys like Joey Barton Joey Barton thought he was going to come up here and walk the league and then he was he disappeared after six months um Shane Duffy's been the same. I would have probably, if we could have got someone else in, I would have cancelled his loan deal in January. Um, but it's just someone that you you kind of have to say is going to be a backup between now and the end of the season. Hopefully, um, he can develop the career of Welsh. You, you don't want Welsh to end up playing the way Duffy's been playing this season. But you certainly get a lot of experience that you can pass on to him. See the thing, Colin, with uh, Welsh, is as soon as he's fit, you put him right back in the team. You know, that's yep. the way I would deal with that. Coming in from Facebook, thank you for your comments on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. I appreciate every one of them, even when they're being critical to me and uh, as long as there's no abuse, that's fine. Uh, I don't get it right all the time. In fact, my percentage of getting it right is probably quite low. But uh, we had a no-nonsense centre-half in Sumunovic. We've spoken quite a bit about Sumunovic, Colin, but Lenny let him go. Again, I mean, is this coming down to the fact that we had an option to keep him for another year, didn't we? And um, yeah. they've obviously yeah. looked at it on a on the financial basis and let him go I think it would be revisionism on my part to say oh we should have kept Gordon we should have kept uh, Simunovic because at the time I was looking at the, the, the state of the squad thinking we, we can afford to let these guys go it's only now when I look back that yeah he might have been handy um, would he have stayed fit that's a big issue Simunovic also didn't like playing on plastic pitches and there's quite a few of them in the in the top league now as well so I can understand why he was let go today I don't think he's got a club 
he's still not got a, a contract. No. There's been a few, no. uh, there's been a few interested clubs. Uh, I thought when he came in, Colin, he was the future of that Celtic defence. I thought he was going to be another guy who would come in and we would sell at a massive profit. It just his, his Celtic career tapered off near the end, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think I said back in the summer I'd have given him um, another year. I'd have kept that year with the agreement that if we were able to strengthen that position, he would have been allowed to leave on a free and he could have signed for someone else. Um, I'd certainly probably rather have Semenovic on the bench than Shane Duffy, just going on on what we've seen of him so far. And I know there's a lot of people say that Shane Duffy's had a, a difficult year this year. Um, I know he lost his father and stuff like that. Um, and his head's maybe not in it. But like taking that out of the equation, you, you really do have to have your head in the game. And if he's not there to play, if he's not ready to play, he has to say to the, the gaffer, just say, look, I'm not ready. I, I'm not able to step in. Um, it, we've seen it before with Lee Griffiths. When Lee Griffiths was going through a difficult time, he was able to speak out to um, the management team. Celtic took him out of the equation for a while kept him in the background, allowed him to kind of deal with what he had to deal with and then when he was ready, he was brought back in. Um, if that's the, the case with Duffy, then that's something that we should have done. But for me, I would have held on to Semenovic until we managed to get someone who was any better than what we already had. Probably mm. something we should have done with Craig Gordon as well, to be honest. Yeah. One final point before we go for this evening, Colin, and I think it's a good one. It's coming in from Jungle Lion, and Jungle Lion's points do appear on the podcast quite a bit, but that's generally because he makes good points. If Celtic got a Rodgers-type manager in the summer, most players would stay. I think that's a very interesting uh, take on it as well, because we've been talking, we've already lost Frimpong, okay? And the the word ambition was used, which annoyed quite a lot of Celtic fans, because we feel that we should have ambition that players can can develop. I I didn't feel that Frimpong was at the end of his Celtic cycle, but circumstances too good to to say no to in terms of the money and all that stuff. So I get that, right? But this pre-season, we're looking at... um, Edward, Christie and I are there, the three names I think Colin that um, have got a value, they certainly do have a sell on value and I feel it would be too much all at one time uh, to let those three players, having already lost Frimpong uh, in Chams on his way out the door, El Hamid, I just feel it's too much, um, the upheaval in your squad then, it's almost like you know the whole nucleus of your squad half a dozen first team players are gone that's massive, that's a huge hole um, you're then looking at some of the loan deals that we've already spoken about. Uh, would Kenny like to stay on? Uh, would Laxalt like to stay on? Would Moy like to stay on? Would they improve the team under a, a manager who is what you would maybe describe as um, elite? But we've already had that discussion as well, Colin. Do you think it will make any difference to the type of player that we're able to retain this summer if we bring in someone that you might regard as being a high-profile manager, someone who, you know, when some of these youngsters are leaving for example, Colin, they might look um, at the, the figurehead of the football department and say, well, I would stay for him. Mm. I mean, when you look at it, so if you, you take Rogers as the example, the one player that, st- that stands out to me as someone who benefited by staying at the club whilst Brendan Rogers was in charge is someone like James Forrest. Mm-hmm. The James Forrest Celtic career was really coming down to it was winding up. Um, there was rumours that he wasn't going to sign a new deal. He wasn't really getting the development under Ronnie Dyler. Um and I think there was quite a few within the Celtic support that were happy for Forrest to leave um, because he was injury prone. He wasn't consistent enough, and he wasn't contributing to the team. Then, when you look at the kind of development of Forrest under Brendan Rodgers, it's been outstanding. I think he scored something like 60 goals in three seasons and about the same in assists um, since Rodgers took over. And that shows what the development of a player can be. At that point, you're saying, well, what's the next step for him if he was to leave the club? He would certainly attract higher calibre teams then as opposed to what you'd be able to attract if he was on the form that he was when Ronnie Dyler was in charge. Someone that could probably benefit from that would be Ryan Christie. I don't think Ryan Christie would make the move to the level of team he thinks he's capable of going to. Um, if you take a look at who's going to be in for him in the summer, I think it's going to be teams that are sort of top half of the championship, perhaps towards the bottom of the Premier League. But if you Burnley, form, Burnley were interested by yeah. all accounts, yeah. Yeah, so if you take a look at 
what he can do on his day um, and if he can play to the level that we know he has shown he can be capable to capable to play at, he'll attract a, a higher calibre of player, a higher calibre of team. We've seen it with, with Kieran Tierney. Kieran Tierney was attracted uh, was attractive to Arsenal. Arsenal came in and paid the money and went and got him. Um, Ryan Christie could still stay here for another 18 months, get back to the form that he's capable of and start attracting higher calibre teams. Someone that I don't think would make any difference to is, is Edward. I think Edward would be gone anyway because you've seen what he's done for his country. He's even doing it now, as we said, we reckon he's having a, not a great season. Still scored nearly 20 goals. He's going to go and make that big move. I don't think that would make any difference for him. But do, do you reckon, and this is the reason I brought up Red Scotland's point, because I agree with you, Colin, I think the time has come for Edward to move on, and I think Celtic fans are more or less resigned to that fact. But Ayer and Christie, Celtic certainly could benefit from someone coming in, and I'm not going to say that someone of the calibre of uh, Benitez is going to come in, but you know the manager could actually tweak, you know, pique the interest of some of these, these players like I or like Christie to stay for an additional season or so. And then you look at the, the four players that we have in on loan, you know, Kenny might be someone that we want to keep. Is he going to be prepared to? Then you bring in this manager um, who might change the, the view of a player like Kenny or even El Yanusi. I think it's key. It's going to be key during the summer. Um, and as we we're discussing that, some other comments are coming in saying, well, you know, that's not going to make any difference because Lennon is here for next season as well. So <laughs> thanks for that. Um, now, when we, we're doing the broadcast, when we do the match day uh, broadcast as well, Colin, we have so many comments coming in through Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. We're not ignoring anybody, trust me. I would love to go through every single one of them. And if any of these guys stand me up, then it will be me and the commenters um, that will get us through the broadcast because we go out every day bar one day during the week, Colin. So sometimes numerous times during uh, during the the week as well. We had an interview yesterday with Ramon Vega. I don't know if you had a chance to watch that, but he came across as a really oh, yeah. good guy. Um, if you are on the YouTube, uh, make sure that you watch the Ramon Vega interview. We've got a few other interviews lined up with Excels. And uh, if there's anyone you want us to interview, let us know as well, because um, just about anybody is contactable in this day and age. And, uh, you know, some, some people get interviewed a hell of a lot, Colin. And it's, you know, maybe the more obscure ones that you want to hear from, isn't it? So, Definitely. if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. We're building the YouTube channel and we're doing uh, loads of other work on shows such as the music side of things. We're going to have uh, live acoustic plug, uh, unplugged sessions as well. And we do other interviews with other individuals from the world of politics and sport and movies and uh, literature, etc. So David Martindale was interviewed last week as well, all about his his journey from uh, being jailed right through to the League Cup final. So that was an interesting tale as well. But uh, it's always a pleasure to speak to you about the game, Colin. Uh, tell me before we go, what's the T-shirt all about? I've not seen this design. Where do you pick that up? Yeah, so this is my, my good friend at uh, Goat Designs. Um, you can find him on my Twitter. Uh, so this is everyone who's scored in each of the, the, the treble winning cup finals. So um, a great design, a new up-and-coming artist. Um, definitely check him out. Is that Goat EE Designs or at Apparel Goat E? Um, great guy, and he's bringing some, some brilliant stuff out. Um, so check that out. Also, I am back on Wednesday with the Football Insomniac. And on the show this week, I have Sky Sports journalist Anthony Joseph. So if you've got any questions for Anthony or for myself on the show, um, hit me up on Twitter um, and I'll make sure that we get them asked. That, that was a shameless plug, Colin. You just kind of shoehorned that one in. But I was asking about the T-shirt. And interestingly enough, uh, you know, just last night I watched The Men Who Stare at Goats. been meaning to watch that for some time. I'm just checking to see when it came out. It probably came out about 20 years ago because that's what I do with films. But um, aye, 2009, which was uh, an interesting watch as well. So it's all about goats, the greatest of all time. That wasn't really a thing. That wasn't a term in a was being brought up on football calling the greatest of all time being called a goat it was something completely different in my world but um, interesting that you're able to to uh, speak about football to others out with the, the Celtic bubble but I think Anthony Joseph certainly does uh, break quite a lot of interesting stories Celtic related Colin all I would say a wee bit of feedback for you pal is your guests are brilliant but we need to get a wee bit more kind of female blood in there it seems to be all blokes that's on your show so hopefully you've got a few lines up as well 
Interesting you say that. The week after that, we have Alison Conroy from Clyde One Super Scoreboard on. So starting to uh, bring in. And if there's anybody else that you think would be a great guest on the Football Insomniac, let me know on Twitter. Um, but we're continuing to grow and check it out. It's on A State of Mind YouTube. And the audio is out, I believe, is out today from last week's. That will be out. It will be on Axom until it gets its own channel, which will be very soon as well. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It's always a pleasure. And thank you, Colin Watt, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.